Blog Talk Radio. And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of clifflow.com in scenic, scenic, New Jersey. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Doc Murphy of rootdocmurphy.com from the Twin Cities of Minnesota in Paganistan. This week, we will be joined by special guest Dr. Jeremy Weiss of TempleofMiriam.com in Seattle, Washington, bringing us today's topic of fortune-telling for love at Halloween. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Doc Murphy. Ms. Cat? Hi, Clifford. How are things in wonderful New Jersey? A little rainy, but otherwise fantastic. Uh-huh. Have you been doing any work for clients lately? Um, a little bit last week, yes. I'm a, an old friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, it's always nice to know what's going on with you. Um, things here have been rather hectic. Right now my computer is completely frozen and my darling husband has come in. Let me just show him for a moment. No movement. Everything is dead. You must turn it off. I'm going away from computer land, but I'm staying on the phone. I would like it if you would bring me my laptop in case this doesn't work. Good. All right. He's a very good helper, and he's leaning over me. (laughs) I can't see anything. And, oh, no, he's dropping crystal balls. Oh, dear. It's quite a day. (laughs) I have a bunch of crystal balls in front of my computer. Um, they're like my controls, you know, for the various parts of the universe, as I call them. And uh, he just reached over and knocked one. Well, things here have been um, pretty nice. Um, we've been working hard. been working hard on the Lucky Mojo Forum and getting a lot of things done. I've made some announcements about it in Facebook. Reverend Ernest and I are working to get a canonical thread in the forum for every product we make. So if you have a question, for instance, about Pay Me Sachet Powders, you can just go to the Pay Me Sachet Powders thread and ask your question, and someone will answer, rather than just dumping it into the general Sachet Powders thread, which has become confused and um, agglomerated over the years. And what I intend to do is then to cut those general threads um, apart, if possible, and um, make them all go into the canonical threads. So it's a long project. It'll probably take us about a year. And um, 
We've been working on it very hard. So if you go to the forum and have been to the forum lately, you'll see just a ton, a ton, a ton of posts from Reverend Ernest. And that's because he's creating these threads. We're still reading, of course, everybody's questions, and we're still trying to answer them. And um, also, I've been doing some updates on some other things at the forum with Deacon Millet, having to do with the Hoodoo Psychics newsletter. Deacon Millet has decided to put links to the Hoodoo Psychics newsletter at the Lucky Mojo forum. He's a sponsor of our show and we sponsor his stuff as sort of a you know friendly co-sponsorship so if you're interested in the hoodoo psychics newsletters which are wonderful and contain lots of great articles on hoodoo and on magic in general and on divination you can find those um, as the weeks go by by going to the lucky mojo forum as well as by going to hoodoopsychics.com so that's what I've been working on. I've also been doing my Patreon writing. And I have a little announcement I'll make probably in a week or two. Um, I promised when I was going to do Patreon that I would do it for one year. And it's been very successful. But some parts are more successful than others. So starting on January 1st, um, I'm going to be redesigning my Patreon tiers. And... Um, I'll announce it. It Basically, truth to tell, I'm running out of excess restaurant wear to send to people. I send the <laughs> subscribers at a higher level. They get um, a box with books and old um, hoodoo labels and, and old, just, you know, you name it, old paper ephemera. They get books that I've published. They get all kinds of good stuff, but they always get some restaurant wear. And I said, I'm going to do this till I run out of restaurant wear, and I'm just about out. Um, sometimes when you buy restaurant where you have to buy six of a kind, but you only want to keep two, you know. So that's what I've been doing. I'll be announcing the Patreon change. It's going to continue, but it's going to continue at a, with different tiers. And this week we have a Two Doc Three Cousin show. So... <laughs> Did anyone get that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did. Got... <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, Dr. Jeremy and Doc Murphy are our uh, speakers today. And um, Clifford and Jeremy and I are remotely cousins. Not too remotely, actually, as it goes. And I just have to say to the world that you heard it here first today. There's a wonderful old book on fortune telling. It's one of those great books from 1917. It tells you how to read palms. It tells you how to throw dice. It tells you how to read teacups. It tells you the meanings of dreams. It just goes on and on. Big, fat book. And it's by someone named Astra Cielo, which means the star of heaven. And I was just got a bug up my little ass, and I said, Astra Cielo. Who is Astra Cielo? And I looked up Astra Cielo and found in the copyrights that Astra Cielo was actually a man named Milton Goldsmith. And I thought, huh, I don't have any goldsmiths in my family. He's obviously Jewish with the name Milton Goldsmith, but who is he? You know. So I looked up his genealogy. It's all online. And um, it turned out that his mother's name was Cecilia Adler. And he named himself the pseudonym 
Astrociello by inverting his mother's name, Cecilia Adler. So I'm here to announce to Clifford and Jeremy, you're related to that person. (laughs) (laughs) Because, Because Cecilia Adler, of course we're all related to Margot Adler and all those other Adlers, but uh, (laughs) Cecilia Adler Adler, um, was the uh, daughter of a famous rabbi. (laughs) It starts, you know, and now it begins, right? A famous rabbi who moved from Prague, from Bohemia, to Firth in Germany. And I I know that I'm very closely related because my family's from Perth and they have I have Adlers in my family and so forth. But it all goes back to Prague. So there you go. We can now see yet another strange piece of occult history, rather obscure occult history. Um, another mystery person. I think I'm going to write a Patreon article about all of the pseudonyms and who those people are. All right, that's it for me. <laughs> let me let me welcome you, my uh, co-host, Doc Murphy. How are things in your corner of the world? Oh, things are very good and very busy. It's it's Samhain uh, season here in Paganistan. So I actually yesterday was just outside of Minnesota uh, in Wisconsin uh, with my community, and we are building we are building the Samhain effigy. We're building the Samhain burn. We have a tradition at a friend's uh, property every year, and we've been doing it for over 20 years now, that uh, we he cuts down some trees and foliage on his property. We build a great big effigy, a great big harvest god that ranges anywhere from 25 to 50 feet, depending on the year. And we spend two weekends building him, and on Samhain night, we get together, we feast, we have ritual, we... Uh, release the spirits of our beloved dead on our ancestors, and we set the motherfucker on fire, and, <laughs> and we and we send people to the next world. And um, we 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 got them upright um, yesterday, and I was got to be part of that. It was good to be with community again. Last uh, last Samhain we couldn't gather obviously because of COVID, but this year we were able to. So um, it was good to see everybody and to get in the mood for Samhain for sure. And um, I also have been on the phone with uh, the Eye of Horus store here in Minneapolis, uh, which is going through a rebranding right now. This is the metaphysical store I used to work at. Um, they're now rebranding and calling themselves the Eye, and you might like hmm. their new logo. It actually, uh, they, they wanted something a little less culturally specific, a little bit less appropriative, a little bit more general. So you'll notice their, their logo has now changed, and it actually is like a stylized evil eye amulet. And uh, I've been talking to them because they wanted to get me in the loop because the store wants to start not only uh, fluffing out their uh, their um, uh, offerings for clients, but they also are looking to do things like podcasting and educational blogs. And they want to get me into their reader stable eventually. So I'm in conversation oh, with wonderful. them right now. Yeah, oh, it would be really wonderful. good to be, to be working alongside friends again. So uh, cross fingers for me. Pray for me. So. Hopefully I am. Work. I am. Clap it Thank you. That's really wonderful. I I would love to see you, um, you know, advance in your career as a as a reader. I know that you have so much um, in you, so many gifts in you, and um, I'm very very pleased to hear that. Well, thank you. Well, That's- yeah. Today we have as our guest. Um, a jack-of-all-trades, master of several, 
um, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, and um, I often refer to him as the only hoodoo doctor who actually is a doctor. <laughs> and um, and uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, I would presume we could call Conjurman the only hoodoo professor who actually is a professor too. Um, <laughs> but in any <laughs> yeah, in any case. Um, I'm not a miss. I'm a miss cat, but I'm not a miss. So there must be a few um, misses who are misses who are reading. Um, we just take these names and they stick with us. Um, but um, Dr. Jeremy Weiss is a wonderful friend, cousin, co-worker, member of AIR, and um, is coming to us with a topic on... I guess you would call it the folklore of Halloween. But first, let's say hello, Jeremy. How are things in your life? Well, uh, things in my life are fantastic. And first, let me say thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. That was very <laughs> sweet and kind of you. More important and germane to the conversation that the people listening should know is that uh, Miss Catherine Ironwood is one of my best friends and my one of my mentors, not just in hoodoo but in life. And she and Shiva uh, have have given me so much. So I'm very very happy happy to be here. I was the the announcer where now Clifford is the announcer, and I mm-hmm. love to see it. He's been doing a fantastic Fantastic, fantastic job. I love it. Hey, Clifford, i got to give you the big shout-out. It's very complicated to be the announcer, and then you have to listen to the show at the same time, and then you have to come and <laughs> in the in the chat, and then you have to be looking up uh, uh, the appropriate links to put in the chat, and listening all at the same time, it's like juggling, patting your head, you know, and rubbing your stomach all at the same time. So more power to you, Clifford. I, I, I'm giving you as much much uh, prayer and, and good blessings as possible because I know what a complicated job it is. I just so, have thank to you very, very in. much. Doc, Doc Murphy <laughs> has just corrected my error. Professor Ames did in teach indeed teach college at one point. So yes, Professor Ames is another hoodoo professor who is a professor. So there we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Yeah. So so uh, Dr. Jeremy, um yeah. we we know you through your work in Jewish folk magic and we know that you um uh, are the I guess you could call it the leader of the Temple of Miriam. And that you do a lot of, um, you've done a festival, Jewish Folk Magic Festival, and you've worked with me on a book that kind of comes out of the Middle Eastern tradition, Terrors of the Evil I Exposed, although it's not Jewish specifically because it's also Islamic and Christian and you name it. But um, you ha- you're known for that. Um, today you're bringing us a topic which is much more eclectic. It's American Spells and Rituals for Halloween. And this starts off with the idea that, you know, Halloween comes from Samhain, the Celtic festival. And it also has a a background in German 
folklore. But when Halloween hit America, it became something way different. And in particular, right around the time that the chromolithographic postcard craze hit, which had a huge impact on popular culture, there were literally billions of postcards sold and mailed in the mails between 1907 and the outbreak of World War I, about 1917. It was um, a craze like joining the Internet. It was an incredible thing. And one of the most amazing things about the postcard craze is that most of the postcards were printed in Germany and shipped to America. There were also German-Americans who printed postcards in America. Printing was a somewhat of a German um, tradition. Um, Milton Goldsmith, the man who was Astra Cielo, had been a postcard printer and embosser um, prior to becoming a writer. So, um, and had a company called Goldsmith Publishing. Um, so this whole idea of these German postcards um, and selling them for different holidays took America by storm, and it led to the idea of American Halloween becoming something because the postcard people wanted to have ha- uh, different holidays, you know, Christmas, birthday, whatever, birthstones of the month. There was always some a reason to have a new postcard. And Halloween postcards became um, an amazing part of American life. Everyone became aware of Halloween. Prior to that, in the mid-19th century, Halloween was something, you know, people tipped over outhouses. But the idea of getting together for parties and doing Halloween things really came out of Europe, and it became an American tradition very quickly. It, I mean, it just was something that had always been done as far as people were concerned, but it hadn't always been done. So with that introduction, um, we're going to talk today about American Halloween traditions, and I'm going to turn this over to Jeremy, and um, you take it away. Well, you are, of course, as usual, absolutely correct. Um, I think we need to tell our audience a little bit about uh, how how this, like, I, I don't want to plump right in, down into the center of this, this conversation. We'll give them a little bit of background, which is that about a year ago, last year, when I had officially started the Temple of Miriam, um, we started it. We were doing uh, – we did the virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival of 2020. And then right after that, we had a little Halloween celebration because the virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival was held a little bit late because of COVID and all of that, and uh, uh, exactly what you're talking about. And because I, I wanted to do a little Halloween celebration. So I decided at that time – look up some American spells and and rituals and traditions about American Halloween. And I did. I I wrote it up and I I put it up as one of our very first blog articles, which I will put right here into the chat um, if I can. I don't know if I can. Uh, and And then you and I, we were talking about this show, and and what to see, what to do. And we we're talking about last year's show, and um, you know uh, uh, what we realized, what I realized, and what you realized was that I had cataloged 
really primarily just um, some American uh, traditions of hoodoo, of Halloween. And I had noticed in that paper, in that blog that I wrote, that they all, except one, except for one, had to do with divination of who you were going to marry, which I found incredibly curious. Right? Yeah. It's how that. I mean, we often think of Halloween as, you know, you think of candy, you think of little demons, you think of running around and playing tricks on people, but you don't really think of love as a Halloween kind of theme. But in fact, it, it it is. So I was mm-hmm. so surprised. I put that in the in the blog, and I cataloged from um, Blackie from from uh, uh, the folklore of Adams County, Illinois, um, various uh, Halloween uh, rituals and spells. And outside of one for prosperity. Um, they they all had to do with love, and you and I had this fantastic conversation about you know why that could be and um, the origins of of that. And I talk about a little a little bit in the blog and how how it's really European. And and then this year I decided you know we were talking about it, and I went and I we we looked up. Some other things about uh, uh, from some folklore of Nebraska and folklore in North Carolina, the Americas, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and we found all sorts of interesting spells. And again, once again, they're all about love, and they're all interestingly they use the same the same kind of materials, either apples or mirrors or water or flames, or nuts. Or and, nuts, uh, that's right. To, yeah, right? Nuts, nutcracker night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just a, we had a fascinating discussion. So I wrote up a follow-up uh, uh, to that blog, which I just put up t- uh, today, and I'm, I'm going to put, of course, link it to our or the radio show here, um, mm-hmm. with more spells for us to discuss. And the origins of, you know, Nutcracker Night and all those kinds of things. So we've got a whole bunch of, of material to work with for what what what, what did you, you said nuptial di, nuptial divination nuptial divination. Right. Who you're married? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something in here too about why why is this? First of all, spells to see the future husband only occur in cultures where women are allowed to pick a future husband. In other words, we won't see that many of them in cultures where women are um, affianced or even married at the age of five. They, There's no way that seeing a future husband would be part of a puberty era, teenage era, girl thing. And these spells are not, you said love, but they're not, to me, so much about love. Who will your sweetheart be? Who will you marry? They don't usually posit that the divination is done for a boy. They're for a girl. 
who will be your future husband? That's the, the gist of it. But that idea comes from societies in which women have more freedom. Now, they didn't have as much freedom, obviously, as women do in our current American society, but the idea that women could do spells to divine who their future husband would be or even influence who they might be. Also, that there were parties at Halloween where boys and girls or teens would get together or people in their young 20s who were not yet married. And they would then do these little rituals in which the, the, the man would try to bite an apple and things like that. These all have to do with the power of women. It's really, it's, I don't know that anyone has ever written an, a scholarly or academic paper about this because people nowadays are so influenced by paganism. They go, oh, Halloween, the thinning of the veil, I see the dead. You know, No, no, no. Halloween was a bunch of giggling girls getting together and holding candles in front of mirrors, right? Or peeling an apple at one stroke, which is one of those, in order to do the magic, it must be done perfectly rites, which is a very Celtic and, and Germanic thing to do. You must peel the apple at one stroke and then you throw it over your shoulder or over your head or however it's going to be and it forms the letter of your um, husband-to-be. Now some of these spells occur at other times of the year. The Peeling the apple at one stroke can also be done at Christmas and it also can be done at New Year's. And in the Ozarks, when I lived there, they said throw it into a bank of snow so that you could read it against the snow. So there's variations. There are also um, finding your first uh, finding your husband or your sweetheart's name that can be done on the first day of summer. There are other types of these spells, but the giant clustering of them all around Halloween is amazing. And the way they cluster around apples is amazing. So um, why don't we um, bring in Doc Murphy, because Doc Murphy, you have an academic background, and you know a lot about paganism. How does this relate to modern paganism, or does it at all? Yes and no. I mean, I'm, with regard to it specifically being divinations about marriage, there's kind of in contemporary pagan context, we're looking at how Samhain really is, if you're going to do divination for very important matters of the future, Samhain is the night to do it. Um, the, the lore that, that uh, we've adopted from our various European ancestors is that this is the era where the veil between the world of the living and the world of the dead is very thin. This is when your ancestors and spirits come back to visit. And if you were going to ask your ancestors for advice on any matter, um, whether it be health, whether it be work, whether it be family, whether it be love, whether it be really important decisions, um, Samhain was the night to do it. So uh, in, in the uh, uh, rituals that we've participated in here in Paganistan, there is the honoring of the ancestors and the feasting and, and the, the calling the names of our beloved dead, but there's also inevitably they, people get out their, their tarot cards and they get out their pendulums and they get out their runes and they get out everything because this is the night to get the best advice. This is the night to get the clearest advice from spirits and from your ancestors. And uh, this is also the night of, uh, of uh, dreaming. If you dream of your future mate or if you dream of uh, these future matters, chances are that they are precognitive and that they will come true. Um, yeah, but can, yeah, can, I, these, can I jump in here? 
But of what's so interesting is there's another version of Halloween, which really does come from Samhain, which are the ghosts and the spooks mm-hmm. and the witches flying. That is not this other thing. This, I mean, right. I'm going to just, like, for instance, suspending an apple from a string to find out who loves you has very little to do with um, ancient paganism. This is more folklore. So you mm-hmm. name... You name an apple and um, that is suspended from a, uh, a string. And if you succeed in biting it, you are loved by the person named. Now, there's variations on this. You have to have your hand. I mean, the way I, you know, you had to have your hands behind your back or even tied behind your back with a handkerchief and or hold your hands behind your back. And there would be women, girls, holding the apples with strings and then the boys would have to come and try to bite them and they would jerk them away. It was like a it was like a divination but also a joke. It's also very hard to bite an apple that's hit hung by a string. You have to, have to take a big chop or it has to be a very small apple because it just slides off your teeth. So there's another one that was more popular which is apple bobbing. Yeah. So you drop the apples into a tub of water and the one who succeeds in biting an apple, will simply be able to marry. That's it. Uh, if you don't can't bite the apple, you can't marry. Now, uh, someone in the in the chat already mentioned. Does this have anything to do with theories of Adam and Eve and the eating of the apple? It may, but remember, Adam and Eve lived in the Middle East and they didn't have apples. It probably was an apricot, according to most scholars. So, and this is you know whatever. The nice thing about apples and why apples are not apricots is that apples, depending on how thick their skins are, can be preserved and saved well into the winter. That's why we have the saying, one bad apple spoils the bunch, because if one apple goes bad, it contaminates the others with mold or fungus. So these apples at Halloween may not have been brand fresh apples. These would have been apples that would have probably ripened in uh, September, October, early, and then they would have been put up. They, it's just the end of the apple harvest in October, at the end of October. So, uh, depending yeah, on where you live fall. here in California, yeah, it's a fall. It's a fall harvest thing. Um, yeah, there was fall apple festival in in in, in Rome, I think that that linked with the Celtic sound, you know, that became yes. prophetic. Yes. Yeah. So apples, yeah. I live in an apple-growing area here in Northern California. We have apples. The most popular apple we have is called uh, Gravenstein, which is means gravestone. That's literally what it means. But it was named after some person. <laughs> the name of the apple is the gravestone. Um, so these apple rituals are are amazing. And then... There's a whole another type of ritual that's done for divining who your husband will be, and that's doing things backwards. Now, back, backwards spells very much come out of German tradition. You'll find them in books like powwows. And yeah. there's backwards can be done for protection, backwards can be done for anything, inside out and backwards. Those are very Germanic. So, Jeremy, why don't you share one of the backwards spells? Ah, well, there's there's a lot interest. So to me, what was interesting was there, there's a lot of right walking backwards and and looking. If it's not with an apple, and so okay, this, mm-hmm. there's a 
Oh, um, in the first article that I wrote, there, there is a couple of essential things, right? Apples are important. Mirrors seem to be important. Water seems to be important. And, and walking backwards seems to be important. And nuts seem to be important. And these are all, all things. And cabbage. And these are all used in, in, um, in variations on, on this, those, the, the, if those are themes, there are variations. And the variations can be um, things like walking backwards down a cellar while you're looking into a mirror. And once you get to the bottom, the, you'll see the, the face of your husband in the mirror. Or walking backwards towards a well, right, that's water, and then holding the mirror up and over the well. And then you look in the mirror and you can see the face of your husband again. So um, there's, there's these... Uh, uh, yeah, walking backwards theme, mirrors are a theme, apples are a theme, and I wanted to kind of come back and touch a little bit about the the, the bobbing for apples because bobbing for apples, interesting, uh, as, as far as I know, uh, uh, the, the thoughts are uh, by various academics that it, it kind of, that part arise, arose in, from Scotland and and they use the word called duking or or uh yeah duking for apples which is the same word essentially for dunking a woman in water to test whether or not she's a witch mhm for yes so you know you've got the bobbing for apple concept the 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 witch as an apple bobbing up and down and whether or not she she is witchcraft there, these things are all kind of t- have been mishmashed together I would, say. I would say yeah the 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 um the idea again that that these um things have to do with mirrors is another um idea mirrors um are usually used with a candle, but they mm-hmm. you can also like walk backwards looking into a mirror. I have a lot of old, beautiful old chromolitho postcards of women holding candles and looking into mirrors. Um, this has been perverted into this so-called Candyman spooky Halloween series. You know, whatever. <laughs> That's not... No, looking into but the it's bathroom not. mirror and saying Candyman three times. That's hilarious. You're yeah, right. You're but, absolutely right. I didn't think yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, but it's been, but it, but it never was because, and it's the whole thing, candy. It's just the whole. It's modern. It's, let's just leave it at that. But it's, yeah, sure. um But but I have many postcards of of beautiful young women. These would be you know girls, sixteen to young women, maybe twenty two, painted and then these beautiful chromolitho cards. They're usually dressed in a. In not in formal clothes, but in a nightgown, their hair is down, which in Victorian and Edwardian times mean they'd un, they'd let their braid out. It's still braided or maybe loose, but it's not put up on their head like it would have been. And they're looking into a mirror and holding a candle, and in the mirror you see a handsome young man. Sometimes you see a devil, but it, that's sort of like. Um, you know, ha ha ha, fool you. You know, but usually it's a handsome yeah. young man. And um, this this idea that you do this is very common. I have another one that goes almost to a Scandinavian style of divination. Among Scandinavian 
uh, and you can read these in the book Trolldom. There's quite a few How to Find the Future Husband in the book Trolldom because it was very popular in Scandinavia and Eric and where, where um, in the Christian era, excuse me, in Scandinavian countries where women were allowed to choose their husbands. You could uh, make a, a little, you make candles and you watch how they burn. You name one candle after each potential boyfriend and then you watch them burn. And uh, you see that the characteristics, if they run away, if they stay, things like that. The same kind of candle divination that we use in voodoo. Um, there also were ones where you would burn um, straws, and you could burn um, nuts. And the nut burning is a whole nother thing. Why yeah, that's a, whole, that's a whole neat little thing in itself, right, with the popping yeah. And, and they, whether or not they pop together or they pop yes. towards each other or away from each other, fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, so in that one, you name one nut for yourself and one nut for the um, each of the boys that you like. And then you watch. If some of them just burn up to coals and shrivel, that's not good, obviously. If they pop and they pop towards you and they jump towards you, then that's the one who's going to marry you. Um, and if they pop and and make a jump away from you, then they don't love you. So all of this kind of stuff is so connected to Halloween and not really practiced much anymore. Um, I find it really interesting. <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. Um, the the other thing that comes from Northern Europe is pouring melted lead um, uh, into yeah. water. And um, this uh, the um, will disclose um, how your um, future husband will have his occupation. Yeah, what kind of work he'll do. Right? Yes. What kind of work? So, right. The, the 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 lead as it as it makes a shape and hits hits the water and turns cold will make a shape, and that shape is supposed to be predictive of what occupation your 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 mate will have, whether they're an artist or a doctor or a or you know, a blacksmith, you know, if you see an anvil then they're a blacksmith, right? All of that those kinds of things. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's the it's the tool of their trade is what you see. If you see a saw they'll be a carpenter. Well this kind of pouring lead into water was very popular in Sweden on Denmark again. Read the book Trolldom, and you'll see an awful lot about this. It was also used for curing people too, um, but that's a different way to do it. But um, this kind of um, pouring lead, we don't recommend that anyone do that anymore because the fumes of lead are actually toxic. Sorry, can't be done, but it can be done with wax. And again, you could pour wax. Now, in in one of these. Um, uh, Rituals that was collected by Harry Hyatt, it was specified that the lead, and we could use wax, has to pass through the candle, the handle of a key. And this goes back to keys and books and um, bibliomantic clytomancy and clytomantic bibliomancy. Clytomancy means with a key. And so the idea of the use of a key for future seeing is very much embedded in European folklore also. Harry Hyatt collected a lot of these Halloween uh, rituals, and they are in 
the first of the two articles that Jeremy wrote. And these were all collected in one county called Adams County, Illinois. And they are all collected by people of unspecified Anglo-American Germanic background. Later in the book, he he collected um, what he called hoodoo, which would be from African-Americans. He collected Germanic ideas. He collected different magical ideas. But these are all unspecified, which just means white people. That's pretty much what he got here. White people. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And um, but if you if you look at these again from the standpoint of when these were collected in the 30s, 1930s, in Adams County, they show what an active form of folk magic was going on with Halloween divinations. And yet, yeah. Well, now you it's know, been I... moved. It's been gone. It's more or less disappearing. It's absolutely exactly so that I found that fascinating, which is now it's just kind of like, a, you know, a candy, you know, uh, uh, trick or treat uh, kind of celebration. But if you if you read, uh, you know, even from 1930, that 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 thing from Hyatt is is from 1935. But even mm-hmm. as late as 1952 to 1964. When Frank Brown uh, he collected the the folklore of North Carolina, and in his book about the folklore of of, of North Carolina, there's at least seven or eight spell slash rituals of divination that were being done as as late as the fifties and sixties. So it's not that long ago. He's got. Uh, number one, you, you stand in front of a mirror at 12 o'clock on Halloween. The man you are going to marry will will look over your left shoulder. You know, number mm-hmm. two, the if on Halloween, if you take a mirror and walk down the stairs backwards, you're going to see in the mirror the the person that you're going to know, that you're going to marry. Um, on Halloween night, if one holds up a candle and looks in a mirror, the face of one's future husband or wife will be seen. That one I find particularly interesting because, of course, it reminds me of the Jewish uh, method of divination, um, of nuptial divination, which occurs during the Havdalah ceremony, which is the ceremony at the end of the Sabbath. And women are to look in at their fingernails they're the ones who are supposed to light the candles that's their job and in their role in in bringing in the sabbath to a close is they they light the 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 candles and then they use the candlelight to scry in their fingernails and when they look in their fingernails they're supposed to be uh see the face of their future husband so very similar very similar spell very similar Mm -hmm. yeah it is I, i this was going on all the way up to at least the, to the sixties, as far as you and I can tell, and maybe it's, well, it's yes, later. Well, yes, when I, I was when I was young, when I was young, and I was born in nineteen forty-seven, um, we had Halloween parties organized usually by the parents. There was always they, they it was heteronormative, so there was an equal number of boys and girls, and. We were to um, do the bobbing of the apples. We did all of these things uh, in the 50s and and into the early 60s. It was very, very commonplace. But I don't know of it being done now except sort of 
retro-romantically as let's do something old-fashioned. So I think that as, I mean, things changed, um, the when Halloween became more of an ugly, evil festival, if you know what I mean, through the movies and through stuff, the idea of these rural things, people became more urban, just sort of slipped away. And yeah. taking some like Candyman idea and and making it evil, this is this is has been done. You know, um, thank God for the pagans and neo pagans who at least um, try to retain some of the not so evil spirit. But the idea of um, <laughs> no, yay for us, said, yay for us, yeah, no, yay for you because. <laughs> You said, "Thank God for the pagans. Thank, thank yeah. God for the pagans." <laughs> right on. I just think we my believe God. we believe um, in God, all of them. Yes. Um, right. well, my my anthro brain is kind of going here, and in, and just listening to how, uh, describing um, this this really like unique and rich American tradition, and kind of why people don't do it anymore. It's not even really picked up much by pagans who are doing sound anymore, and I, I think precisely because these are um, uh, rituals around kind of socially prescribed heteronormativity, and that's mm-hmm. something that modern pagans are terribly preoccupied with right now. They're they're if they're doing divinations, they're not kind of giggling in a corner, wondering who they're going to marry. If anything, because the movement has been countercultural, um, you know, since it flew over from England in the 1950s and, and landed in in uh, the coasts in the 1960s. If anything, there was kind of a push against that sort of rigid heteronormativity to um, uh, create new traditions. Um, so that might be why some of these traditions uh, haven't been picked up necessarily by the modern pagan community. That's just a, a hypothesis that I have that, that I may have to chew on for about a year. Um, well, I, I, I get that, but there's nothing in these. There is nothing, I mean, it, yes, they're always called How to See Your Future Husband. If you if you look in older books, they'll always be, and I'm talking, I, I collect books from the late Victorian Right, post-emancipation, right. Um, post-emancipation to pre-World War II. That's kind of my era. Um, and these books, oh, they often say how to see your future husband, but there's no reason why not to say how to see your future spouse. And in fact, some mm-hmm. of them, you know, it'll be the face of your prospective mate. I mean, people try to, you know, but yeah, there that's are some what I like, do. yeah. Yeah, but that's, here's that's one, how I do. Here's that's one from. Yeah, here's one from Hyatt that kind of does put the the gender um, I don't even know, gender bondage, gender vice on people. This one's called Water Under Your Bed and Go to Bed Backwards. Put a glass of water beneath your bed on Halloween. Now, first, hand up. We all know that this is also used in spells to get rid of witches. And go to bed backwards, and you will dream of your future husband. If he hands you a drink of water in a glass, he will be wealthy. If in a cup, he will be poor. But if he does not offer you a drink, you will be an old maid. So there's this shaming of the woman who does not marry in that particular one. But if you look in the book Trolldom, you'll see that there's, an, or maybe in the, the book Hoodoo Food, um, there's a rest, or it might be in the black folder. No, I don't remember which book it's in. It's it's called Dream Pancakes. And it's, you make these pancakes, but instead of a pinch of salt, you put in a handful of salt. 
and otherwise it's just a regular egg fluffy pan Swedish pancake. But it's so salty, and you have to eat this entire pancake. And it's usually made by three girls, and they have to do it without speaking. And it's like a whole ritual, you see. And they have to each eat their pancake, and then they go to bed. But it doesn't say backwards. They just have to go to bed. And then if they dream, they'll be very thirsty, of course, in their dream. And if they dream of the man who brings them water, that's the man that they will marry. But again, if you don't, if you dream that the man appears and doesn't offer you water, you will die an old maid. That's the shame of it. And I understand. I would rather see the folklore adapted a little bit than see it lost forever. Well, yeah, it definitely needs to be sort of modernized, you know, I mean, or, or uh, a little bit without the, the the public judgment. That's not necessary anymore, you know. It yeah. wasn't necessary now, then, but... There's a there's another one here that's fascinating to me. This is also from Hyatt's collection. Put a glass of water under your bed on Halloween Eve, and on the rim of the glass, leave a piece of wood. So I'm sure, Jeremy, this reminds you of a, a man that we both know, Mr. Montana. Yes, Mr. Um, Montana. Mr. Montana, who um, was, as I remember, he's from Nebraska. And um, <laughs> he right. is, isn't he? From Nebraska. Yeah, I think he is. Mr. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and Mr. Montana taught both Jeremy and, and I, uh, but not about Halloween. It was just put a glass of water under your bed with a, with a stick laying across it, and you would have a significant dream, and the dream would predict your future. So well, this shows... I think you taught that to Mr. Montana. I don't think Mr. Montana <laughs> taught that to you. Well, Mr. Montana and I spoke about it at great length. Um, yeah. But... But um, yes, I did. You're right. I did. I did help Mr. Montana a little bit with that one. But um, but it was interesting to me that he he did have the water under the bed for the dream and to have a significant dream. And this is a this shows it. But it was divorced at that point from Halloween, right? Right. Just completely yeah. divorced from Halloween. Yeah, so, that was for yeah. true dreaming. Yeah, yeah. It was for dreaming true. It was for dreaming right, true. Dreaming true. Yeah. I mean, but to me, it's it's just absolutely fascinating that there are specific times or specific holidays for specific types of divination. And Halloween, one would not think, if you would think of, I mean, if you were just to just like, you know, throw it out there, like, and just, you know, whatever, into a class of, of uh, whatever, everybody raise your hand, you would think that, like, I don't know, uh, Valentine's Day would be the time for love divination or something like mm-hmm. that. But Halloween, mm-hmm. it's so interesting. So interesting. It is. It is. Um, there's another one I'm going to um, uh, mention here. This goes, again, you'll see these in hoodoo spells. Insofar as hoodoo, African-American folk magic, has picked up some European traditions of what I call restrictive magic. You must not do this. You must only do this other thing, right? It's a very typical European pattern. When you see it in hoodoo, you realize that came in through a European admixture which is not to take anything away from the African origins of hoodoo, but um, but hoodoo is somewhat adapted to its local culture, which is Anglo-American. And so this one is go to a spring on Halloween 
and take a mouthful of water. Well, first of all, whoa, back up, back up. These sacred springs, that's very European. And different mm-hmm. springs are sacred to different um, saints or different goddesses or whatever. Okay. There, there's also sacred springs in India and other places. Go to a spring on Halloween and take a mouthful of water, but do not swallow it. So now you've undertaken an ordeal. Right? This is an ordeal divination. Walk home backwards. Uh-huh. Get into bed backwards and swallow the water. Your future mate will give you a drink in your dream. This entire operation must be done without speaking. Well, how could you speak if you have <laughs> But this this is reminiscent of other kinds of European ideas, like drink a cup of water backwards to stop hiccuping, or you know you know these different um, the European idea if if you um, if you see a witch you turn your pockets inside out. And then the witch will leave you alone. Um, you put your left shoe on your right foot, your right shoe on your left foot. All of these are are what I would call demi ordeals. They're not serious ordeals. You're not in threat of losing your life. But these demi ordeals are part of European magic and are, and are very characteristic of it. They also appear ordeals appear in other cultures, like in um, Africa. One of the most common ordeals is to put something very hot in your mouth, and you will tell the truth even though your tongue or mouth is burning. So it might be you might chew on uh, guinea grains or uh, grains of paradise seeds, or you might uh, ginger or something of that nature, or hot red pepper seeds. So ordeals are used in various forms of folk magic, but the ordeals of Halloween are mostly the ordeals of restriction. You must do this in a certain way or it won't work. Now, this is very interesting to me because when people start to study hoodoo who come from Euro-American tradition, their first questions are always, but what are the restrictions I must follow? What if I do it wrong? Because Mm -hmm. their culture has this this idea that there must be these restrictions. It doesn't mean that their culture is anti-magical. It really means their culture works by restrictive behavior in performing a magic spell. It has to be done perfectly. That's okay. Uh, we have mm-hmm. that in Jewish, in, Jewish, in Jewish folk magic as well, right? It has to be written mm-hmm. perfectly. You know? Right. That's important. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But not every culture has that. And... Um, you know, now one we did not mention um, it was burning an egg uh, wrapped in uh-huh. a string. How about you? Can you describe that one, Jeremy? Yeah, sure. Uh, there, 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 there's two uh, um, egg spells uh, that I know of. One is um, the one that I found most recently is on Halloween Eve. If an egg is placed in front of a fire by a young woman in love uh, and seen to sweat blood, it is a sign Oi. that she will succeed in getting the man she loves. Whoa. <laughs> that's pretty oh, That's very intense, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the one that you were well, thinking about? Or no, the, about the one the I was one? thinking, the, the other one was called Burning an Egg Wrapped in String. If you want to find oh, out right. yeah. if you're yeah. going to marry a man, take an egg 
and take a cord string and wrap the string around and around and around the egg. Now, on a footnote right here, this is like peeling the apple at one stroke or peeling the potato in one stroke. This is, has to be done properly, and the string must lay down completely neatly all around the egg. Um, put on all the cord string you can get on it and then put the egg on the fire to burn. Name it for the man that you love, and if the string burns off, you will marry the man, and if it doesn't, you will not marry him. Do this on Halloween. And this woman says, this is a woman who was interviewed by Harry Hyatt, years ago when I was a girl, I was going with a fellow that I thought of a, a great deal of. So I took an egg on Halloween and wrapped a string around it and around it and put all the string I could get on the egg, named my bow and put it on the fire to burn. I was very much put out at the time for the string would not burn. And it was no time until we fell out and I married another man. Yep. Now, I'm going to blow your mind. Are you ready for that? Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. You and I just finished a book, writing a book together, Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed. Mm-hmm. And that spell is exactly the same spell as a divination to determine whether or not you've been affected by the evil eye. That's right. You wrap the string around the rock and toss it mm-hmm. into the fire. And whether or not That's the right. string burns. Exactly. And isn't that an Islamic spell? Yeah, it is. It is an Islamic Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right? <laughs> you can see where these ideas, you know, either how they travel or that it's one of the two things, that ideas travel or that uh, different cultures come up with ideas that work so they are the same idea, right? You know, because it I works. I tend to think it goes back in time. I really, yeah. I really think it goes back in time. There's some um, older spell. This idea of wrapping the rock in string or wrapping the egg in string and seeing if the string burns. Um, the Islamic um, uh, roots of these were from um, Pakistan, and um, uh-huh. in, in the collection that we uh, consulted by Anne Fleitman or Henri Gamache, and so therefore we're part of well. It was called Sindh, then it's Pakistan, or, or what at the time was Western India. Um, and there are a lot of those uh, with burning that are Indian in origin. Interesting. But they're not for, they're for a divination, but it's a divination of the evil eye. Right. 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 It, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, um, <laughs> taking it back, huh? Yeah, it, that's that's so fascinating. Well, I I hope that this has sort of opened the door to people thinking about Halloween in a a more friendly way, a more folkloric way. Not a not a festival of the dead here, but a festival about how to use nuts to determine love, and and um, you know how to uh, see the loved one by um, looking in a mirror while holding a candle. These are wonderful. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for logging both of these on these two different posts, that blog posts that you have. And uh, maybe you could put those through again um, oh, one yeah, more sure. time Absolutely. and so people will see them. And there is our music. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jeremy, for bringing us this. Thanks for, to you, Doc Murphy. And I hope everyone got a kick out of this very different topic unusual. And um, we are now going to bring on our first client. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of, Ind- of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our first call, our, our caller today is Melissa in 868 area code, and her situation is, I recently lost my job as a nurse due to supervisors giving me an awful performance appraisal. They've been hurting me spiritually also. I've been presented with an opportunity to travel to the United Kingdom to work. I wanted to know if that is a move that I should make or if I should try to find something here. Uh, Melissa, are you there? I'm here. Hi, everybody. Superb. Turning it over to you, Miss Kat. All right. Um, so, well, usually we ask, um, Melissa, have you had a reading with any of us before? Never had. All right. Have you had a reading with anybody before? <laughs> Actually, no, I haven't. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so you you said here you have an opportunity to travel to the U.K. Uh, where do you live now? I'm in Trinidad and Tobago, actually. Oh. Um, yeah. And you're calling us all the way from Trinidad and Tobago? Yes, I am. I tune in oh, all the time. Oh, you wonderful woman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. That's, that's great. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you one more question. What sign of the zodiac are you? Um, no, I'll be, I'll be real with you. I have no idea about astrology. At most I could tell you, I'm a Leo. I was born August <laughs> 8th. <laughs> All right, a Leo. That's good. That's what I want to know. Well, the reason I ask these things is because the sign of the zodiac that you are sometimes um, helps us understand the way you, you react to things. For instance, if a Leo says that people have been um, giving you um, an awful performance appraisal and they've been hurting you spiritually, I tend to believe you 100% because Leos are very proud and very dignified and they won't stand for such hijinks. They're going to make it right because they're Leos. If you were a more um, vulnerable sign, I won't name them, it might be that you were a little too sensitive. But no, not a Leo. If it happened and a Leo says it happened, it happened. Okay? Uh, so, <laughs> so um, I'm going to see about this travel to the UK to work and see if this is a move you should make or if you should try to find something where you are. And I'm going to right. put down three cards. Um, card number one is a an interesting card. It is called the card of the Nine of Pentacles. This is a woman in a garden, and she has... Uh, two piles of money, a big pile and a little pile, and they're on the ground next to her. She has a house behind her. She has grapes, and she has a, a snail underneath the big pile of money, and she has a hawk over the little pile of money. So she really does have a choice um, between slowly accumulating a larger, better job or 
rapidly acquiring a job that doesn't pay as much. And I feel that this is a choice you're going to have to make, but it really does show the difference between the two types of jobs you are being offered here. Now, she has grapes behind her, which usually stand for children. So now I ask, do you have any children? Um, One daughter. She's just Mm -hmm. about 10 years old. And so she would have to come with you to the UK, or would you leave her behind? Um, she would stay with my mom till I settle, if I decide to go. I see. Okay. So because there's this house, there's these grapes, these are things that influence the woman's choice, you see. Will she lose her home, her place, if, if she travels and flies away? I I look at this as saying you should wait a certain amount of time to see what's happening where you are. But let me go to the next card. Um, the next card is a card that is, uh, again, a, a sort of a split between two things. This is another money card, and this card is the Seven of Pentacles. And here we see a man who's a gardener. Again, he has a big pile of money and a little pile of money. And he's leaning on his hoe as if he's been chopping weeds, and he's looking very fondly at the big pile of money. So there's a real choice here. He doesn't away the little pile of money, but I'm going to say that the answer may not be so much about place as about the money. The money might be better for you in the UK, or it might be better where you Mm -hmm. are, but whichever has the most money is what these two cards say, you should go for the money. And that is going to be a help to you, no matter how you intend to live or where you intend to live. Now, the next card is a a wonderful card that tells me that your child will be fine. I was a little worried there. And this card is called The Sun. And the sun shows a little child on a horse in a courtyard with sunflowers. And it's the sun. And the sun is the ruler of Leo. The sun is optimism. And the child is um, riding on this gray horse. And the horse has no saddle, no bridle. The horse is just sort of smiling and looking at us and saying, perfectly safe. I always relate this horse to an old song called The Old Gray Mare because it's a gray horse. And therefore, I relate the horse to the grandmother. And so this child is having a happy ride uh, with the grandmother caring for the child. The sun is shining. It's in a safe environment. It's closed in a courtyard. No, the horse is not going to run away and destroy the child in any way. So I'm looking at this. If you think that there's more money to be had in the UK, I'm saying that the cards say you should go. Okay. All right. Um, Let's turn this over to um, Jeremy. Yeah. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Wonderful. This is such a tough, hard question. I'm sure that you're um, really struggling with what to do. Are your can I ask a few questions? Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Yeah, that's no problem. Okay. So um uh you're thinking about either staying or going and and what are your current job prospects where you are right now? Is uh you know 
Um, it's more like I've applied everywhere, literally. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm just in, in, in this state of waiting. <laughs> uh-huh. And are you comfortable? How old is your daughter? Ten. Ten years old. Okay. All right. Well, um, do you already have a job offer in the U.K.? Yes, I, I did. I interviewed with, with someone, um, a very large company, and um, mm-hmm. they want to pay everything for me to come, but I was worried about if it is the right time to go or uh, what to do. Should I do uh-huh. something closer here because my child is here or, you know? Aha. Uh-huh. So you are facing an inter- that's a That is quite a dilemma. Well, I do um, a form uh, of, of divination called bibliomancy. It's different than reading tarot. And I use, use the Bible. I ask one of the uh, seven prophetesses of the Bible to step forward, identify herself, and then refer me to a place in the Bible that should have an answer that fits your divination. And I reached into my bag, and of the seven prophetesses, I pulled out, um, as, uh, did I pull? No, I'm sorry. I pulled out Holda. And Holda is the prophetess that we know the least about, but she was very sophisticated. She was very smart, and she was a, a, an interesting uh, businesswoman, what we, we know her, about her. And okay. when I asked her your question, she said she she refers me to Exodus thirty three uh, verse one, and that says, "Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I." promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. So my interpretation of that is that, yes, you need to leave uh, the place that you're in, right? And and you're going to want to uh, to to um, uh, go, uh, uh, you leave the place that you're in, and, and you're going to want to go uh, uh, and, and, and give the land, give, give everything uh, to your descendants, right? So, okay. Yeah. So it, it, we don't have uh, an issue uh, with your child. Your, 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 your daughter... Uh, it says, leave this place and the, and the people you brought up out of Egypt, so and your daughter, okay, and then go to the new place, right? That's the UK. Mm-hmm. And it says, I will give it to your descendants, meaning you will become more um, stable in your in your uh, financial situation, and you'll be able to bring your daughter over uh, over with you, and she'll, she's your descendant. Bring your daughter with you 
uh, over to the UK and leave a, lead a more prosperous life. Does that? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so both of us, both of us got very similar um, forecasts or foretellings for you. Um, each of us. Uh, said that that probably going to the UK would be good, and your daughter will be well cared for until you get settled, and then you can bring her, and you might even bring your mother. I don't know about that, but you certainly don't you don't cut off ties with you know your home country, but you will be able to make a considerably more money. Let's uh, turn this over to Doc Murphy. She's going to give you some spell work now. This usually comes out of the hoodoo tradition. We'll see what she has to say. We have several coin cards here, and we have mentions of um, descendants. So let's see how Doc Murphy handles this with root work. Yeah, um, the, both of the readings were so clear about um, making the decision to actually make the jump to travel, but there, I do sense the reticence in in the client's voice yet. So what I'm also going to um, prescribe root work-wise, spell work-wise, um, is actually a spell I learned from Dr. Jeremy a while back. Um, if you're concerned about, you have kind of two decisions that you have to make here and you want to see uh, which would be the better decision to make, here's a, here's a, a spell that would, uh, would help you out, a kind, of, kind of a riff on it. And what I want you to do is to get a, a small candle, a chine candle, you know, those ones that are that burn for about two hours that are really small, and mm-hmm. uh, carve the other end to a point so that you have two wicks on either end. And at the halfway point of the chine candle, what you want to do is heat up a large needle and warm it up and mm-hmm. kind of push it through the center of the candle. So it's, it's, it's uh, right in the center. And then what you also want to do is... Um, find like two shot glasses. And what you want to do is position the needle on the shot glasses so that um, the, the candle as it is is balanced. So it kind of swings back and forth like a teeter-totter. Does that description make sense to you? <laughs> yes, so, it does. Yeah. So what you'll do is uh, you'll dress the candle on, on one end uh, with um, road opening oil um, to, to see about the, the, the prospects of moving far away and for clearing the way. And you'll dress the opposite end of the candle with um, a, a prosperity, sort of a, a, a stay with me, but also stay prosperity, kind of money house blessing sort of thing. To kind of one side will be stay and work it out, and the other side will be we'll open that road and move it forward. And so put the shot glasses down, um, put the needle on top of the shot glasses so that the candle swings back and forth like uh, a teeter-totter. Um, put money draw and time on both ends because you want in both cases to be making more money to have a better job. Under the stay-at-home uh, side of the candle, print off an image of um, the Six of Cups, which is that of two children um, uh, sitting at home uh, or, or playing in the, in the yard and kind of being content where they are 
And on the other side, which is the, you know, road opening side, new prospect side, put the three of pentacles as an image, which is the, the image of the stonemason getting uh, his mastership promotion. And what you'll do is, once this is set up and it's balanced, you will light both sides of the candle at the same time. And the heat from the candle will kind of make it move back and forth like a teeter-totter. And as there, this will be a wax divination as well as seromancy. Um, the, as this is tottering back and forth, the wax is going to drip on both of those images. And when the candle has finally burned into the middle and the, and, and the needle falls out, you take a look at both of the images and see which side the wax has fallen on. It will give you a better idea of how much weight to give to either side of that decision. I am willing to, to put down my lunch money that just like the – uh, Miss Cat and Dr. Jeremy have predicted it's going to land on a side that says make the jump. But if you're still concerned about reticence, I would say go ahead and do that divinatory spell and, and you know, whatever the answer is that the dressed wax gives you, proceed apace mm-hmm. um, with making that decision. So I would, I would definitely start with that if you're still hesitating. All right. I'm going to uh, throw in a... I'm going to throw in a little something here, too, because we had some coin um, uh, symbols in the cards. I mm-hmm. have um, often recommended to women who have children who work to use a particular coin to represent their desire to carry the child with them, metaphorically or physically, as they work. And this coin is called a Sacagawea dollar. And it's a U.S. coin. You can buy them online. It shows a, a Native American woman with a little baby strapped on a little wooden board on her back. It's called a papoose carrier. And um, she's holding the baby. She's kind of looking over her shoulder. They are, they are currently being made in the U.S. They are not uh, a rare coin. They are not an expensive coin. But you can go online and find one and have it shipped to where you are. This coin is about the, the mother who must work. And Sacagawea was a real woman who led an expedition from St. Louis to the Pacific Coast and then all the way back to St. Louis. It was called the Lewis and Clark Expedition. And so to me, she represents the ideal of a heroic mother. And she had the baby while she was leading this expedition. They didn't even know she was pregnant. She just... Um, went ahead and had the baby while she was leading them, and then she came back to St. Louis where she had started, and her husband was there and her other children. And I look at that coin as something you can wear or carry if you must be a mother who works. I really, really um, believe strongly that Sacagawea is a spirit, now a Native American woman, who helps mothers who have to work. So I would recommend you get that coin. I know you're not in the U.S., but you can go online and you can find a coin company or you can find them on eBay. Don't pay too much. Don't pay a lot for a mint condition a coin. Just get it and, and dress it, as Doc Murphy said, mm-hmm. one side with road opener and prosperity, and the other side dress it, um, the back side with, you know, uh, stay at home or money stay with me or money house blessing and um but i think that you'll find that if you do travel forward that coin will serve you well and you could dress the whole thing with road opener because it's about travel and you can dress 
the whole thing, safe travel is another good thing, with prosperity or money drawing. Those are very good oils to use on that coin. And uh, that's what I would do. All right. There's our music. And I hope that, Melissa, that you um, uh, prosper and do well and that your child does well and your mother will help. So we're going to have our announcement of the network schedule. And this will be brought to us electronically through the ether. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of templeofmirian.com in Seattle, Washington. Take it away, Dr. Jeremy. Woohoo! Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Clifford, you're doing so great. I love you as the new announcer. Fantastic. Really great job. I know it's tough. Um, I wanted to tell everyone, um, there, there were, you know, when I was writing all this stuff up, there were a couple of, we didn't even get to the whole cabbage thing. We didn't even, so cabbage has Oh, God, yes, the cabbage stalks. <laughs> Right, the cabbage stalks. Not only do you, do you pulling out the cabbage stalks, they tell you, you know, t- tell you who you're going to marry. They tell you if it's going to be a good marriage or a crappy marriage. You're going to be arguing. Whether it's great, I love the cabbage stalks. We didn't even get a chance to do. We we'll have to come back and do the cabbage stalks. But there were two. <laughs> there were two. There were two spells that stood out to me. One doesn't include. Is not the cabbage. It's not the usual. It's kind of. It's kind of. Similar to a Jewish spell, um, it was about laying down cornmeal. You lay down cornmeal around your bed, and then when on the Halloween, children would would put cornmeal around the side of their bed, and then ghosts would write the name of the man that they were going to marry. That and that kind of reminds me of a Jewish spell for detection of demons where you lay down ashes next to your bed and in the morning if there are cracks then you have your a demon infestation. So that that <laughs> spell stood out to me and this is the free spell. The free spell is a cabbage spell because it's it's the, it's the, the only one the, that spell had cornmeal. It's the only spell that I had cornmeal. The only spell for prosperity that was not a nuptial divination had cabbage. It's a very simple spell. If you want someone to have a plenty, you leave a cabbage on their uh, on their doorstep. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> But there is so much. (laughs) (laughs) Very simple. 
very simple. But there is so, there is so much there. Hyatt says, he quote, interviewed a woman who said, when I was a girl on Halloween, we would go around and lay a head of cabbage on every front step that we wanted them to have plenty. So this is a non non-nuptial divination spell. This is a prosperity spell with cabbage for Halloween. Now, I just I just have to say here, in America, because our money has traditionally been printed with green ink, we call uh, money hay or cabbage, and particularly cabbage because the leaves of currency are like the leaves of cabbage. In African-American tradition, at New Year's, you're going to cook black-eyed peas, which we know are against people's eye, um, and um, cornmeal, which is to represent gold, and collards, which are in the cabbage family. Collards, kale, and cabbage are all so closely related you can hardly tell them apart, and Brussels sprouts as well. If you take a Brussels sprout apart, you'll see it's like a tiny little miniature head of cabbage. So this is a really opposite of trick-or-treating. This is benevolent magic rather than mm-hmm. saying I'm going to trick you, you know, if you don't give me a treat. This is like here, have your cabbage, folks. It's okay? a blessing. Wonderful. It's, it's a blessing spell. Yeah. The blessings yes. of prosperity. But it's at yeah. Halloween, not at New Year's. And the it's just a it's so it's a fascinating idea that you would give people a cabbage. Now, in Germany, Halloween, by the way, we associate with pumpkins, but in Germany it was always associated with turnips. They didn't have pumpkins. And so if you look at the old postcards of Halloween, they show little turnip people. These are people with their little, you know, their little head carved and they have little tiny hands and feet and they dance around and these are the turnip people. So um, uh, turnips um, are another plant in that family along with radishes they're all brassica so all the brassica family is associated with halloween and with prosperity and if you read joel chandler harris's books of uncle remus's tale uncle remus was an african-american man whom joel chandler harris met in atlanta georgia and interviewed and who told him stories but he also told him some spells in those stories and one of them was that brer rabbit himself had a mojo bag, and in that mojo he kept the seeds of collard greens. Not the leaves, but the seeds. Ooh. So the idea that all of the brassicas are for good luck, except for black mustard, which is usually used for bad luck. But yellow mustard or white mustard, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll be blessed. And these ideas are very, very ancient cabbage. There's also the Cabbage Patch Kids, the idea that cabbages open up and there's little babies inside. So cabbages are a sacred plant, although many people um, think of them as you know not so sacred. They really are. It's wonderful. <laughs> also, I have to add to this broccoli and Romanescu, which is sacred geometry in action. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for some fractal. Uh, so, fractal. Ca- so, 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 yeah. So, ca- yeah. Uh, cauliflower, which is part of a broccoli, actually. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's it's fascinating to me that that the sacredness of cabbage has the cabbage family has been somewhat lost. You know, it's now considered 
people don't like it. it. Sometimes cabbage family relatives have a slight hint of sulfur in them, and people go, ah, I don't like that smell. But um, And, of course, cabbage is always poor people's food. No. Well, cabbage is one of the main ingredients in Cole Cannon in Ireland, too, and that's a dish that's eaten on Halloween night, and, and uh, it's mashed potatoes mm-hmm. and cabbage. So it's uh, it's got, a, I think, probably older provenance than we realize. Yeah. Isn't it also, isn't cabbage also featured on St. Patrick's Day? You're supposed to have corned um, beef and cabbage. Well, that's actually an, an Irish-American adaptation. They, the corned beef and cabbage thing actually is really not done in Ireland, but it was done by Irish immigrants who uh, came to America. Usually they would eat salted pork and kale mm. um, on mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day, but when they came to America and they couldn't find salted pork, they would go into their neighbors, German neighbors and uh, Jewish delicatessens in their neighborhoods and yeah. found corned beef and said close enough, and they would eat corned beef and cabbage. So that's an Irish-American adaptation. Yeah, corn corn beef is a Jewish way of making a ham without using pork. <laughs> <laughs> well, my erudite friends, this was absolutely wonderful. Let's turn this over to um, our announcer, Clifford, and he's going to give us the end of the show, and then we'll all come back and say goodbye. Uh-oh. We're missing Clifford. Has that he was disappeared? Not. Let me try again. Uh, thank you, Miss <laughs> okay. Cat and Dr. Murphy. And thank you, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of TempleofMiriam.com and Seattle, Washington, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Lady Muse of the House of, of South of, uh, of HouseOfSelfImprovement.com in Victorville, California, bringing us the topic of protecting your harvest. Once again, we've come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Doc Murphy at uh, rootdocmurphy.com from the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Afghanistan. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from clifflow.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Clifford. And... I want to say thank you so much, Dr. Jeremy, for being our guest. Thank you so much, Doc Murphy, for uh, yeah. stepping in when Conjurman had to step away. And um, we're going to have next week House of Self-Empowerment, Lady Muse. She's a wonderful reader and root worker. Most of you know her, and I think that's going to be a great show as well. Tell your friends about the Lucky Mojo Food Root Work Hour. Tell them that uh, they're if they miss any show, they can find them in the archives at forum.luckymojo.com by going to the archives, and there they are, every one of them that we have available. All right, everybody, good night. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye.